Today's episode of Found Down is brought to you by Unwound Retreats. Unwound Retreats offers fun events and travel experiences for nurses locally and internationally. Founded by me, Nicole Johnson, ICU nurse and host of the Found Down podcast, I provide opportunities for nurses to practice self-care, learn, and travel together. These last two years have been brutal in healthcare, and why not give yourself the gift to unwind, learn, and grow? Previous guests have loved the experiences, especially because you can just show up and know that everything will be taken care of. Unwound Retreats is offering exciting and luxurious retreats in Morocco and Mexico. Go over to unwoundretreats.com and sign up to get on the email list so you can find out more. Welcome to the Found Down Podcast. This is a podcast of untold nursing stories that are sometimes hilarious, dark, insane, and anything in between. As a warning, this show is rated E and is mature in content. It often deals with the reality of life and death and how we as nurses intersect with that on a regular basis. If we laugh, it's not out of disrespect. We love what we do and have every intention of continuing to do so. With that, enjoy the show. Well, hello and welcome to the Found Down Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Johnson, and I am so excited because I have an old friend on the show today, someone that I met a long time ago that made a big impact in my life. Good impression. Thank you, Amy. Um, You made a profound impact in my life back when we met. So today we're talking to Amy Kaniger. She is a nurse practitioner with a long-standing history working in the emergency room, was um, a hospitalist for, um, what was it, eight? years you said yeah seven years yeah you worked um in the emergency room at harborview as an np and for a couple years also and is now in an infectious disease in reno nevada thank you so much for being on the show today how are you i'm so good i'm honored to be on your show i love your podcast i listen to it when i take my dog out and no way oh it's awesome i I, some of them make me just well up with tears. It's just such a wonderful thing you're doing. I'm excited. Well, thank you. I We met a long time ago in 2007, I think. Seven, I think, yeah, yeah. In Guatemala, where we were on an international <laughs> nursing program trip with the, with the UW. And um, my God, Amy's one of the... I don't know what it is about ICU nurses or ED nurses that like they're crazy athletes and so Amy was like a RAF instructor and a, were you a ski instructor too no, no? just a, um I was a river guide and a ski bum don't you don't give me too much credit <laughs> <laughs> well I was just like man that's so cool but you um just were just full of energy and enthusiasm and just seemed like such a badass to me. So I was excited when I was thinking about this show, like who would be fun to have on. So you came to mind. So, um, man, so how is, how are things in Reno right now? (laughs) Well, um, you know, it's pretty awesome. It's actually kind of a different day. Yesterday was like near a hundred temperature wise. And now it's like, 55 and chilly like it's so that's kind of fun so it feels like fall is coming um and then um you know it's kind of quiet like our which I know you're not supposed to use the keyword as I just said that now I've totally screwed everybody <laughs> down everybody in Reno is gonna be like you, Amy. <laughs> throwing darts at me pin cushion um 
but it's, uh, it's been different. It was just, you know, we had such a crazy energy through March, uh, starting, you know, kind of end of March of that, like unknown and intense and you don't see somebody for a little while and you're like, Oh my gosh, is everyone okay? What's happening? And, and then it was just very heavy and, and I mean, it remains heavy in our society right now, of course, um, throughout the world. God. Um, but it sort of seemed to sort of even out a little bit. And now we're getting our, our familiar patients back in the hospital where we're like, Oh yeah, I know this. Okay. That name's familiar. All right. (laughs) So we're seeming to get, people are starting to return to the hospital. Oh, good. Good. (laughs) You're starting to see those familiar faces. Those familiar faces. (laughs) We were, we were talking a little bit before the show started to record about frequent flyers. And I, and I, I have, when you work in the emergency room or you work, you know, in a hospital, you see a lot of the same cats around, right? They, and I have a soft spot and I don't know. I mean, I, I think some nurses out there do, and um, but you've seen frequent flyers over the years, right? Do you have any um, buddy that comes to mind or any stories that you're like, man? <laughs> you know, um, I do have one. When you you had said something about frequent flyers, and I started racking my brain, and I remember this one guy who I think I don't even know if anything about him was kind of real. <laughs> like, I don't know if he had like a fake Aussie accent or maybe he was British or maybe a little New Zealand. I don't know, but the, it was good. Whatever, whatever country he was from that day. And he would come in with this limp. And it was when I worked in an ER in Portland and he would come in with this limp and always this, oh, my foot. And it was back when like, we weren't so hard about not treating chronic pain you know? Oh, right. Oh yeah. So my foot, he would come in limping, limping and, and he would switch off which foot it was, you know, and he would come in day after day. And we were just like, again, wow, this guy's ballsy, you know? So, and he was nice enough. And we kind of, you know, you give him like one Norco and call it good, whatever. (laughs) And sometimes he would get an x-ray, sometimes not. Sometimes we'd be like, really? And he'd be like, okay. And he'd kind of wander back out. But I remember I did this, I lived in Hood River at the time, which was 60 miles, 70 miles east of where I worked in Portland. And I had actually been doing some per diem at this other rural hospital, even farther east. And I was there one day in the ER and I swear to God, this guy came in no and way. he was totally doing that. And I just was like, oh my God, he's, he's like 80 miles away from Portland. And the doc was like, oh, this guy, he came out of the room, oh, this guy, you know, and I said, hang on before you say anything. <laughs> no, this guy from Portland, and I have to tell you, what is he saying? His leg hurt, and I told him half the story. He's like, yes, that's him. I was going to order morphine. And I was like, no, 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 just, <laughs> but he was nice enough. He was always, he always left nicely, which is all that we ask, really, right? Like, yeah, if you're going to be frequent, just be kind about it, but <laughs> I feel like we always get these folks that skip their dialysis runs, you know, that, um, you know, I've got names that are coming to mind uh, and anybody I know who works with me knows the names. And now they're going to come to the, cause I'm talking, thinking about them. Now they're going to end up showing up. I'm sorry. You've done it. You've done it. <laughs> but they're always like, 
when they, their dialysis runs and their potassium 7-2, and for the layman out there, that can kill you. Having a too high of a potassium or low will kill you. So they have to emergently get, you know, a dialysis run. And, but they're, they're like, you know, they need, they need food. They need a warm bed. Like a lot of these folks, I feel like the system lets them, has let them down, you know? Yeah. There was don't this- you kind of feel for them? I'm sorry, not to, no, I don't mean please. to cut, but don't you sort of just like get it when they're like, I just wanted to go to like my daughter's graduation or I was at lunch and I forgot, like, don't you kind of understand in a way? Like, I get why you would miss dialysis. I mean, you can't and blah, blah, blah. But yeah. three days a week for four hours a day, you have to sit in a stupid chair. Yes. Like, right. I mean, I don't I- know. I know. Thank God our kidneys work. I mean, and I mean, for those people who are in renal failure or end-stage renal disease, like dialysis is their lifeline. And, and, but it would get old. And, you know, people talk about dialysis, like it really takes them out. Like it really fatigues them. And gosh, this one guy who I have taken care of a number of times and, um, I actually just, I really, really like him. The system, like he, he lives, he lived like on one part of the city and then had to like, has to take like three buses to actually make it to his dialysis place. And, you know, I mean, that's a long and a lot. That's basically your whole day, day. And he, you know, and he just probably just sometimes wants a break. Yeah. um, And you just feel like junk. Like yeah. you probably feel crap sitting on a, sitting at a bus stop in the rain. I don't know. Yeah. I just, yeah. Totally. But it's easy to brush them off. Anyway, I'm sorry. Keep no, going. please. <laughs> a lot of these folks too have lived a really tough life and you just don't really know what it, what happened to them to bring them to this place. You know, maybe they didn't have the most supportive care like I don't I mean I you know most people don't want don't aspire to wanting to have like a drug problem or whatever um right. So. right everybody has a story it's sometimes hard to remember you have to go to a special place to remember that when patients or families are being kind of awful with you but um everybody has a story that got them where they are and if you sometimes take the time to learn their story you approach them a different way, right? Mm-hmm. You were saying, you said this before the show, but I thought it was really kind. You, like, sometimes you, do you take the time to help staff, like, remember that to, to have a little bit of a soft spot for them or just to just remember that, that they do have an individual story? I do. I mean, probably to the annoyance of a lot of nurses, <laughs> especially in my role now when they're like, oh, you know, maybe you should check your insulin before you, you know, or something. And I usually will say like, well, maybe they can't afford their insulin and their lights were about to be turned off this month. And they're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Like I'm that I'm yeah. an annoying person who's just like, look, you guys, you know, and there's always the little old lady who's the sweetest to everybody, but maybe she's burned all her bridges. Maybe she's not very sweet to her family. <laughs> maybe right. people always say, oh, the, that daughter is a nurse and she's not visiting. It's like, well, maybe grandma's burned some bridges <laughs> or, or whatever it is. I try to present both sides because, you know, there's always something to it. Some patients are just 
not nice people. And I'm not saying, you know, extend yourself to a exhausting degree. You do need boundaries. Yeah. But I do think, you know, even the most frustrating patients have some sort of something in there that you can grab onto that make them more human, you know? Mm-hmm. I really like that. I feel like what, well, for, for me, what this feels like is, you know, we can do better when we're, when we're, you know, crusty at the bedside and just maybe <laughs> pissed. Um, yeah. uh, and I, we've all been there. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they couldn't afford their insulin. My God, Amy, my cat who has now died, may he rest oh. in peace. He was on insulin for a year and a half. And, a, and of course it, it's not covered. And it's, it was $300 a bottle out of oh. pocket for, for glargine. So, I mean, that was a wake up call for me because like um, diabetics, they depend on insulin and it's so freaking expensive. That's so crazy. I feel like your, your challenge is to like be better. Yeah. And you know, I, I just thought of this when you I had this patient one time who was, he was just a miserable human in the ER. I mean, just miserable and just yelling at everyone and just terrible names. And I finally, you know, often what I would say to patients is, you know, you don't need to talk to me like that. I'm trying to help you. I would say that. And often it would just sort of reset people. I mean, as we all get caught up in our own, like, ah, if someone's just like, hey, you don't need to do that. You're like, okay, kind of set, set a boundary. And I said that to him. I said, you know, you don't need to talk to me like that. I really am trying to help you. And he said, you wouldn't be here if you weren't being paid. Don't you forget that. And I have to tell you, I, he was damn right. He was absolutely right. He, I made myself seem like I was doing some sort of charity like I was being so nice, but you know what? He's damn right. I wouldn't have been there if I wasn't getting paid. <laughs> I'm not saying it was the best way for him to handle that, but it definitely reset me. I was like, Oh, you know what? You're absolutely right. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and then probably demanded a turkey sandwich, but regardless, like <laughs> I was just like, wow, he's, he's spot on. Like, <laughs> and I, mean, I remember that. No, I do. 12 years later or whatever the heck it was. That's a profound point. I thought about this, that sort of idea, you know, as people have called um, us heroes during this time of COVID and everything. I mean, no. we're, we're, it, this is our job. I mean, I have a lot of complicated feelings about this as probably yeah. a lot of people do. Right. Like, this is our job we are getting paid for it you know um and and sometimes when people thank me personally for doing the work that I do like I just like yeah yeah I mean I get paid I get paid to do it mm -hmm. I'm I'm like this is giving me pause <laughs> no it, it makes me so uncomfortable when I remember when all of this COVID just not all of this COVID started. I love how I'm fluffing it off like it's nothing. This whole COVID thing. But when it all sort of hit here and people were lining up and writing things on the sidewalk and clapping when we walked through the door and I like got, it brought me to tears and I don't know. I, I mean, I was honored to be there. I, 
It wasn't like, you're our hero. What can we do for you? Let me buy you lunch. It wasn't, it's like, no, 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 no. Take care of these people that aren't getting paid right now, that don't have a job that like, please take those, that dozen donuts and give them to that lady across the street who needs to feed her kids. You know, like it was just like, I'm just going in to do my job and I'm not trying to be heroic about it. There's, I mean, I would be doing this. I'm here cause I'm scheduled today and I'm being paid. If they were like, can you come in for free? I mean, I would do it for probably a little bit, but not, I mean, let's right. be honest, you know, I'm, I'm sort of uncomfortable with that campaign as well. There's so many other heroes that aren't compensated as well as we are. And yeah. Yeah. For the people, I mean, bus drivers have died. Um, people who work at the grocery stores have died. Um, before we all got on this program of like, yeah, masks work and masks, what we need to do. Um, yeah. Like, um, I do. I had the same feeling too, when we were getting food and stuff, cause it was kind of like, it was really nice, but like, again, like we're compensated, not, not by pennies. Right. Not. Right. So. <laughs> right. Um, it's made me wonder, like this time, as you said that you're starting to see familiar people again, like I have wondered throughout this time, I guess this time of COVID, like, I wonder how so-and-so is doing, or I wonder how this patient's doing or how they're getting by yeah. like, and, or to see somebody and you think, Oh, they're still here. They didn't, or they, they, they made it. They didn't not make it. So right. there was this one guy who <laughs> we used to, I'm laughing I shouldn't laugh <laughs> who I have seen for years um in this um on the street where I where I near where I work and um yeah. and he just like he's like has probably 12 lives and um and uh you know I know him by name and you know it's a coming needing to come into our ICU. He, not too long ago, I, I, we were all like wondering like, where the hell did so-and-so go? And he made it, he got a home. He got like some housing or something. And I was just like, man, I wonder if he has any idea that all these people are just like so excited, like all of us nurses. Yeah. And we were just like, yay. Yeah. He got, a, he got a home. He, he figured it out and he didn't Aww. die, you know, because like, <laughs> Would and he'd be found down all the time, just found down, yeah. like yeah. just you know, overdosed and whatever. But um, oh, so good to have him to be like, oh, you you got some shelter. That's so oh. cool. You so you have frequent flyers in the ICU. I was oh, wondering, yeah. all yeah. like your oh blah 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 is back. Oh yeah, we oh. have. I swear we have like five that we, well, no more than that. And, um, and either, you know, they're like the folks that skip their dialysis run or they're just, um, maybe they're people who use, you know, cause I'm in the MICU, mm -hmm. right? So there's oh, a lot of like drug overdoses yeah. and, um, but then we also have like our kind of our long-term care patients who are just mm -hmm. so, tenuous you know and you get his little yeah. boop a little bit of pneumonia um yeah. when i when i was the first day in the icu there was this frequent flyer guy and he was like do i have monia 
Do I got pneumonia? <laughs> I don't want pneumonia. But um, yeah, we would end up, we just get a bunch of people frequently. What kind of folks do you see in, when you used to do ED? Like, mm-hmm. were the frequent flyers down yeah. there? You know, truthfully, the ED is seems to be full of people that are falling through the social net. I mean, I don't even want to call it a net because it's like a net with like so many holes, but it is. It's <laughs> I'm a, trying to think of like a large appeal. A, a net to catch a shark. A net. I don't know what. Like what? I don't, I don't know. And that's not even a good, that, that shows that you're going to catch a few, but it's just people who've fallen through the cracks and, you know, homeless and, you know, you see a lot of um, drug addicts with a lot of abscesses and, you know, that have turned septic. Um, You see patients who truly are choosing to keep their lights on versus buying medication. Um, And then the fallout of that, of course, you know, with the DKA and. um, Yeah. You see, you know, of course, with the ED, you do see unfortunate emergent situations that no one could have predicted, car accidents, those kind of things, of course. But more than not, you're seeing, I mean, you truly are just seeing the fallout of what happens when we leave people without insurance and without homes and without family and people are lonely and you see suicide attempts and, um, you know, you just see a lot of sadness. Mm. Like, it's just profoundly sad to me how the, just the fact that we know people by first name in an emergency department and we know them because we know, oh, they're going to, you know, we see a lot of drunks, a lot of, you know, of course we see a lot of bad choices, I guess. So, you know, people that are just choose not to do, take care of themselves, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, I just sort of sad. I think it was brilliant. I don't know if they still have that, but is it the 1800 house or something like that where I don't remember the name of it, but near Harborview where they just turned this entire complex into housing for alcoholics. Do they still have that? I don't know, but um, I remember when they did that, I thought it was so cool. Brilliant. You know, people you tell folks to stop drinking or to stop using. Of course. They're not yeah. going to, they're not going to do it because I mean, you need like, there aren't enough beds yeah. um, and re and um, rehab facilities. And those are so expensive. We just need, people just need like the ability to have a safe space to live. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they can sort out their addiction recovery some uh, some other way but it gets right. them off the street it gets them safe you know in safer environments so right and we don't know what their day is like i mean maybe alcohol is their best part of their day yeah truly i mean yeah be us to be like you should get some exercise and try to eat more vegetables you know it's like they're just trying to make it you know <laughs> yeah have a, it's a tall what were those hurricanes what were those oh giant God. Yeah, a hurricane mm-hmm. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. with every kind of alcohol in, in yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Grape yeah. flavor. If that makes your day, I know it does put a demand on society, blah, 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 et cetera. It's just, it's hard. You're in just such a tricky situation in the, in the emergency department. You're seeing people at their absolute worst, whether family members are bringing in people or they're part of 
they were part of an event or, you know, just the saddest. And then you're giving them basic like instructions, literally out of a computer, like follow up with your primary. And they're like, right. They don't have one. Primary. Listen. Yeah. They don't have insurance and they don't know how they're going to get home. And they, you know, it's just, I think that's what really started to burn me out um, was just the social aspect of, of care and just that I couldn't do anything about it. Like I truly couldn't, I could help one person and it would take me an hour and a half and I was exhausted and emotionally wrecked. And then I had 10 more people after them, you know, Mm -hmm. it just, it got to where it was, I felt like I was doing nothing good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's exhaust. I mean, it is exhausting because what, I mean, I know those situations. So we, in the ICU, it's a little different, but if you have someone who just doesn't have access to anything and has no support system and needs a million things, and you know, you're like trying to be the social worker when the social worker isn't there, or you're, you know, the social worker can only do so much. And so you're just trying to pull from all your resources to try to make a positive out impact where you don't even know if whatever it is you're going to do, they're going to hold on to it. Right. Yeah. Cause they might just leave and just end up in the same spot because they don't have anything. Right. You work so hard. You're doing this, you coordinate this. I remember recently I gave a patient $20 just to buy a bus ticket because she was just trying to get to like Louisiana. This was actually not just, I guess it was like six months ago. But she, we kept her in the hospital day after day. She was like, I just need $20. I'm trying to get my son, but we need a credit card to buy this. And then, this, you know, and this and that. And, and so I just came in one day and I said, here you go. We don't need to talk about this. You're okay to go. Go buy your ticket. And she was like, okay, well, okay. Like she didn't know <laughs> what to do, but it was like, it's $20 for me. That's right. like nothing I can do that for her. You know, mm-hmm. it was just but you can't do that for everybody or then, you know, you're out $2,000 a day or whatever. Not really, but you know, yeah. (laughs) So yeah, it's a complicated thing. Healthcare is anyway, that's a whole nother, that's another three hour discussion, but yeah. (laughs) Well, you are an NP at Harborview, right? Yeah. I just did a couple years. I came, that was a really interesting time because it was a difficult transition out of a nursing mindset for me to being a clinician more. And then God, I look back and I worked with the most awesome people. And I just feel like I, I didn't know what I was doing half the time. I feel like, you know, it was just like baptism by fire and you sort of jump in and do your best. And, and the patients are intense and the whole environment is intense. And, you know, your patients, an average patient is, you know, um, homeless schizophrenic with English as a second language is, and and they've, and you think they've fallen and maybe hit their head. You don't know, you know, it's like you, and the, the translator phone wouldn't work. And then they would make really bizarre comments because they were schizophrenic and you couldn't understand. I mean, it just, is this the brain, is this the brain injury? Is this the, (laughs) pretty much everyone got a head CT. You're just like, I don't, I don't know what to, it was so tough. It was so challenging. And everybody, the attendings, I mean, people are amazing there. I mean, just they have their heart is just in the right place. It was, it was an awesome experience. I think it just, it, well, I wanted to move to more open space. I think that's what drew me to the, to Reno, Nevada. But um, uh. yeah, I mean, I do, 
I do miss that sometimes. And I feel like now if I were to go back, I'd be like, okay, now I kind of know what I'm doing <laughs> a little more. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, again, it just, it was just so much of the the social, you know, and so many physicians I've worked with have, and, and practitioners have said like, gosh, if we could just take care of patients, then we would be set. If I could just do medicine, we would, I would love this job, but it's the other stuff that just weighs you down, you know, and then you're putting it all on this case manager, the social worker. And my God, could they take one more thing? No. So then you're trying to help them and then you're frying yourself, you know, it just totally. Such Shout a common- out. Shout out to all the social workers out there that are listening. listening. Yes. And while we're at it, respiratory therapy. Yes. The text, monitor text, everybody. Patient care text, criminal service workers. Like we couldn't do our jobs with, I mean, this is such a team sport. Totally. And then there's only a few that get the credit, right? Right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Doctors, nurses, sometimes respiratory therapy. Physical mm-hmm. therapy, not very often. Speech therapy, therapy. right? <laughs> Speech therapy <laughs> uh, and social workers. Mm-hmm. Man, so profound though. If we could only do the medicine, if it yeah. would, if we could only just take care of patients, yeah. If we and then it's that includes all the charting, all the documentation, all the. the I mean, it's just made our our positions so exhausting. And and again, like you don't need to tell your patients this all the time, but if only they could follow us for one day, you know, just like if we could live in their shoes for one day. Right. So we would, I feel like we would have a lot more empathy all around, but it is, it's just, if we could just take care of the patients and let everything, everything else would just sort of fall into place. That would be pretty. I know. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Such a sap. <laughs> no, I totally am too. I'm trying to choke it, choke it back. Yeah. You know, <laughs> push it down. Uh, Which is something you said on a previous podcast where I ended up sobbing. I was on a hike with my dog and my baby, and I I was listening to the podcast about stories that stay with us. Mm-hmm. And I remember you were talking about being a nurse and how you early on back in the day, you just push everything down and that's what you do. That that was just, that's the program. And I was listening to that. I started welling up and kind of crying as I was walking and I, I was hiking in our, we have all these trails across the street and I, I passed this lady. (laughs) I had my dog and I had my baby and I'm just kind of crying. And she was like, Oh honey. She didn't realize I was listening. (laughs) I think she probably just thought I was crying because I had a baby or I don't know. She said, oh, honey, it'll get better. And she passed by me and I said, oh, thank you. It's just, I was, and she's like, it's all right. And kept, <laughs> kept walking. And I, like, I felt like I had to explain like, no, no, it's this, it's this podcast I'm listening to. But anyway, she, <laughs> oh, honey, it'll get better. And I thought, oh, okay, well, thank you. Thanks. I mean, cause everything will, right. But yeah, it was just, just a funny, but yeah, it's, it is, you just have to, it's just, you push it down, you push it down and then. You have to get it out either through exercise or friends or meditation or yeah, a glass yeah. of wine. I don't know. Yep. Whatever it is, whatever that self-care is. Hey, this is Nicole. And I wanted to share that I'm facilitating a mini self-care retreat put on by the King County Nurses Association on 
October 24th called Be Here Now. It will include resources on resiliency and will practice gratitude, mindfulness, and self-compassion. Plus, we'll do restorative yoga put on by the fabulous Des Wood from episode four. Go to my website, unwoundretreats.com, where you can find out more. This is a virtual event, so hopefully I'll see you there. I want to change gears a little bit. And I was going to ask you, you were a hospitalist for a long time. Um, Can you just for folks out there explain like what that role is? That's such a cool, that's so cool to me, but that comes with a lot of responsibility. Yeah. Can you talk about that and how that felt? Yeah. You know, it was such a cool role. It's actually what motivated us to move to Reno um, because in the bigger cities um, where there's so many residents and so many medical programs, the hospitalist role is not utilized the same. It's basically like what the resident does. Um, And I was so excited because I still love the emergency department aspect of admitting patients. I thought that would be so cool. And then the inpatient was something that was a little more uh, foreign to me. Um, So when I first, I'll just give my little bit of experience. Um, Initially, I came to Reno and I was such a fish out of water because I was so used to the emergency department. (laughs) The inpatient and being on the units and everything was like, so overwhelming. And I, um, actually would go down in the middle of the night and hang out in the ER and like, Hey, Hey you guys, what, like, what's oh, coming I- in the room for? Yeah. <laughs> I know this space. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. My people. All right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, freak out fire. Okay. Got it. Um, <laughs> but I ended up, so essentially I was hired to just do, I was hired for night shift and I was hired to do cross call. So I covered calls the facilities an 800 bed facility, I think seven or 800 beds. And I took all calls except ICU and pediatrics. So I took like, you know, middle of the night, crazy calls. And then I also took calls to another hospital in South Reno and then four outlying care facilities throughout the night. So my night average call was like 90 calls a night over a 10 hour period. And it wasn't like, sometimes it would be like, hey, Amy, um, I have this patient who's, you know, they came in for this, their allergies are this, and I'm like, okay, why are they here? Oh, oh, their heart rate's 180. I was like, wait, whoa, okay, let's start with that next time. So I would go up and I I turned it into, (laughs) I would just, I turned it into like sort of an education role in a way and just like hey, I would end up rounding. Like I didn't just sit in the call room and take calls. Call me back, blah, blah, blah. I would like go up like, hey, what's going on? Hey, you know, you called me earlier. They'd, they were like, oh, I'm so sorry. I, I'm new. I'm like, no, never be sorry. Like here's what next time, this is a great way to give me a heads up. Like, hey, I'm concerned about this patient. Their heart rate's 180. I don't care about their allergies, you know? And they're like, oh, okay, you know? So I just sort of turned it into like a way to, um, learn. And I wanted, I really wanted to be bridge the gap between the hospitalist and the nurses and just help with, you know, overall patient care, truthfully. And so, um, I was the only one for like the first year and a half, I think of on nights. So the other week never had one. And then they would, cause I'd do seven on seven off. So seven nights in a row. Wow. And the other team were like, we wanted Amy on our side. We, 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 you know, so then they, they hired someone else. And so then we would switch off. And then 
eventually I'd move to day and I would see patients in, in clinical decision units. So patients that are there a day or two, and I would get there in the morning and get my list. And in that particular unit, you could have up to 16 patients that you were seeing. And then you would give kind of a report to the attending, like, hey, I did this. What do you think of this? And they were available for questions. It was awesome. So I did that for just over five years. Um, and I did, I rotated through night shift. And actually, night shift became kind of awesome because you'd be like, okay, I just have to take calls. I don't have like a full patient load and everything. Um, and then I moved to a smaller facility. Um, I don't want to get myself in trouble here, but truthfully, there was a lot more responsibility and I didn't feel like I had the same support. So mm. I functioned exactly how a hospital doctor would function as a nurse practitioner. Uh-huh. And that was uh, very uncomfortable for me. And uh mostly because we would get really sick patients and the way the team was functioning, there wasn't exactly a great way to, um, I, I would express being uncomfortable with a certain patient with, you know, six comorbidities and stage four cancer. And I would get a little pushback for that. Mm -hmm. And so I, that's where I eventually sort of phased out into, um, my current position, which Mm -hmm. I like. Um, and I have a lot of support. So basically in the, the, the hospitalist <clears throat> role, they, you know, you get there in the morning, you get your patient list, you could have up to, I don't know, sometimes up to 25, 30 patients on, on a physician's list. Nurse practitioners and mid-levels, we'd usually get, you know, maybe half of that. Mm-hmm. And you would start, you know, you would check your check everything, check their labs, go the, you know, check their vitals, get the calls. And the whole time you would be filtering calls as well as rounding on your patients. And then they started case management meetings where you'd kind of give everyone a heads up where you are or where the patient is. Um, you would be getting admissions throughout the day and trying to discharge patients throughout the day, talking with social workers, families. I was always the one who would call the family and they'd go, oh my gosh, thank you. I don't mean to say I was always the one. A lot of people did. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to make myself <laughs> extra special, um, but you know, I would take an extra 20 minutes out of your day and then your patient, you know, and I would really try to explain to the patients what's going on. And I would talk to family members over the phone if I couldn't be there in person. And, you know, at the end of the day, I would go home after being there for 11 plus hours and I would still have some charting to do and some discharge summaries. And, you know, it was day after day of that. And, you know, again, it's a lot. It's a lot to do a good job really takes a lot of time. And I, I remember I was kind of struggling with this and, you know, a lot of the people that I worked with would be gone, you know, it'd be like three in the afternoon and they would be finished with their job and I'm still there charting and calling this. And one of the docs said to me, you know, Amy, to do a good job takes time. If you if you want to get out of here and just kind of blow some things off, you could be done by two as well. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you're right. But then I can't sleep well at night. I, you know, it I, to to do a good job takes a while. It does. Yeah. It's just the nature of being thorough. And granted, I probably could have delegated some things a little better. <laughs> but can't we all? Yeah. Right. Exactly. But you just want to know that you know, the, the daughter's been called and the social worker's aware and the, the patient has told you a certain care facility they want to go to. And so you pass that along to the, you know, case management 
because again, it's so easy for people to just get, well, we have this place is accepting, you're going to go. And maybe they don't want to go there. Maybe they don't want to be discharged to a certain facility or they think they can go home and they do have home health already. And all these, all these little things that seem so glaringly obvious just get forgotten so easily. So sorry, that was very tangential, but I'm not no. sure if I... <laughs> I, no, I, um, I, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts. Number one, I was wondering if your thoroughness comes back to your foundation in nursing in like, I mean, I don't, I don't know if like, uh, just maybe because a lot of times nurses were like the gatekeeper, right? We see all of them coming, coming to the patient, blah, blah, blah. But like if, if that impacted how you practice as a hospitalist? I'm sure because you approach the patient psychosocial. You you figure out where they're coming from, what their support is, whether or not they, you know, do they really just skip their insulin or do they have they not been able to afford it and they're borderline homeless? Like that affects your discharge, right? And it's right. a lot of people say that's a case management issue. Well, yes except it's kind of our issue too, if we're a whole provider, right? Like if we look big picture, that's, that's our issue too. Mm. <laughs> and so, yes, I probably took on way too much. And granted, you know, when I was taking all of those cross calls and 90 calls a night, I was really nice on the phone because it sucks having to call somebody at 3am. And I know that I've been there and my husband would say, well, Amy, if you were, if you were meaner, you wouldn't get so many calls. And I was like, God, you're probably right. <laughs> but I mean, and he's a total softy and he's a nurse. I don't know why he would, he knows I wouldn't do that. But, you know, it, it is, it's just about, yeah, it's about seeing the patient the way you do as a nurse. You see the whole picture for the most part, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sure there's <laughs> certain things that I don't see, like, or um, understand, oh, yeah, this antibiotic regimen, it kills the uh, gram negative rod, you know, with rods and right. chains or whatever, and they need to be on it for 14 days. Um, uh, I just want to go back to this idea of being nice uh, on the phone. Like, we've all worked middle of the night, we've all been nurses, or we work in. And we've always had to make these calls. And I do remember feeling like, fuck, I don't want to call neurosurgery, you know, or like, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, because people will be mad. But, right. but I hope that we are phasing this out, truthfully, to provide amazing care for patients. You need to be able to feel like you can talk to and and um, that you're not going to get punished or right. you know talked down to for bringing up something that has to do with a patient. No nurse wants to feel like this nagging feeling of God. I should have called or oh shit. No. Um, should I? You know, like it's kind of weird. Their blood pressure is like eighty over forty, but like you know, I don't know. I gave him toprol, but you know, like you want to. You want to make sure that you have the ability and the, and the space to talk to your providers. And I think that I, I absolutely, I'm like, damn it, I wish I worked where you were working and then could have interacted with you at night. Because I think that's so cool to the, that you were so open to your, your, the fellow, the nurses that were taking care of your patients. 
Well, I try to, and I also made an education piece. Like sometimes they would, I would get some attitude and understand, well, it's 4 a.m. Like it's not normal to be up working at 4 a.m. It just isn't, I'm sorry. But, <laughs> you know, except in healthcare and every other crazy position. But um, I would say like, hey, I could tell you were frustrated. So next time when you call me, this is what I want to know. And I was frustrated too, understandably. And I apologize for that. This is what, this is what I want to know. And sometimes I would even write things out like, Hey, you guys, here's a little, let's do a little, what do they call it? A huddle bar or, Oh no. Huddle. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be like, Hey, in your huddle, this is what, can I just, can you guys take two minutes? This is what I just want to mention. This is what I'm noticing. And it's not just this floor. I would always say, Hey, it's not just this floor. This is what I'm noticing in my reports lately because at the facility there were new, you know, new grads every nine months. I mean, because they don't treat nurses well there. So nurses leave understandably and they go, you know, 10 minutes across the border into California and make bank. So Mm -hmm. I understand why, you know, but I would say like, Hey, next time try this. And then, then I would get a call later, Amy, um, okay, this and this and this. And I was like, that's awesome. Thanks. And they were like, okay. You know, you could tell they were like excited on the other end. Cause like, it feels good when you have a good rapport and when you're giving a good report and you feel like everything that needs to be said about the patient is said, I mean, within reason, <laughs> but like right. that feels good too. It's, it's good feedback. So I tried to, I mean, I wasn't always, I was just grumpy as hell sometimes. And late, then I would go home and feel awful. And then I, the next night, like, Oh, is that nurse working? Okay. I'm really sorry about that. And I'd go, what? Okay, fine. Like they would have <laughs> not <talked> <laughs> Crossing and turning all day, like, oh God, I kind of snapped at that person. It was awful. But um, yeah, I think it's just important. And I hope that's fading too. I will tell you just recently, I there was a nurse or a, a physician I worked with who was awful to the nurses, just awful. And I said to her, um, hmm. I said, you know, she was like, God, oh, that nurse. And I said, oh, do you know her name? And she said, no, I don't. And I said, well, you should. And she was like, yeah, okay, yeah, probably, okay. Like, I mean, it's just little things like that. I think if you have any position of any sort of, quote, power, even though I have no power at all, I mean, why not say something? Like, if, you know, if you see something, say something. <laughs> like, truly, like, come on, there's better way to treat people. And sometimes people just need to be reminded. I know I've needed to be reminded. Like, Amy, I think, blah, 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 that person was just tight. I'm like, thank you for, yeah, you're right. You're totally right. And it's annoying at first maybe to hear it. And then later you're like, okay, you know, that's probably spot on. So hopefully that's changing a little bit. And I think Mm. the younger nurses now are just like, "Mm, no, they're not faced by it the the way we might've been. Yeah. And I think they're not, they're okay with speaking up, which I think is pretty awesome too. Thinking about, I was just thinking about this idea of civility. We, you know, it's just, um, more in vogue to talk about civility. So, um, yeah, I mean, and one thing I love to do, I don't always do it. I hate like you can't see people. I mean, we were at an um, academic medical center, so everybody's like changing all the time and you yeah. can't see anyone's name tag. It's always like flipped over on, on backwards. And but I think there's something that's so powerful about just learning each other's names. Just being like, and, and we try to do it in, in, in emergent situations like, yeah, I'm Nicole. Okay. I'm, um, I'm Martha. I'm, you know, yeah. Laura, like, and you know, or I'm the, 
I'm the, I'm the IC nurse, Nicole. I'm the stat nurse, Eileen, or whatever. Like you, you yeah. go through and you say everyone's names and it, it just makes it us like all like, oh, we equal the playing field and we can all work together as a team. Right. Well, I think, I mean, doctors work damn hard. I'm never going to downplay their work. Good God. Um, So I understand that they want to be called Dr. Smith, Dr. Jones. I totally respect that. But I I do think it's okay for them to, you know, know the nurse's name. And and a lot of the docs, you know, that, you know, some of your favorite docs do. They don't need to be your buddy and take you out to lunch, but just knowing your first name is really nice or, oh, I've met you before. Just the acknowledgement that like they understand you're doing a good job and you're working hard for them. And, you know, you're working for, I don't know, just that it's a team is just such a wonderful feeling. It, it's that thing about, I don't know, something about how much, you know, if you made more money, would that be a big deal or just feeling respected and appreciated at work? I mean, that's what's most important, isn't it? Like, right. Feeling like, oh, wow, they appreciate me. And someone, all they have to say is like, thank you for doing that. I know that wasn't easy or I appreciate the extra work you did or it's so subtle. Yeah. We're like, wow, that was actually really hard. (laughs) Thanks for taking on that awful job that no one else wanted to do. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's really, that's really what they're saying. That's the, <laughs> that's between, the, the line. between the lines. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone was avoiding that. Thanks for taking it by the horns. <laughs> yes. I realize they haven't had a poo in seven days, but you know what? Thanks to you, you made it happen. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, I realize we've been talking for quite some time. Oh my gosh. Um, you know. Okay. Well, I just want to say thank you so much. We've talked, you know, frequent flyers and um, working as a hospitalist and all kinds of stuff in between. I feel like you talking to you and I hope people out there feel this way too. Like, I'm just like, my heart is like, I don't know, bigger. What we talked a lot about today where there's a lot of heart in what we talked about from our patients to working together as a team, um, which is so vital. And uh, anyway, I'm so grateful for talking to you and I hope that I can do this again sometime. I know. Follow up. Oh, you're making me, making me tear up. Thank you. (laughs) I feel the same way. I mean, I feel like we're all in this together and we sort of forget that Mm -hmm. and you get caught up in so many silly, ridiculous big hospital, corporate, blah, 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 and negative negativity, but there's so much good and there's so many good people in healthcare and I will, we'll get through this. <laughs> yes, we will get through this. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, thanks so much, Amy. And, awesome. uh, we'll see you on the next one. Okay. Bye. Nicole. Okay. Thank Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave an honest review on whatever platform you are listening. Also, feel free to share this with your nursing colleagues. If you'd like to email me, you can do so at founddownpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to send in any stories. Just make sure they're HIPAA compliant. Also, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at founddownpodcast. We'll see you on the next one.